Welcome to the Parents Place Podcast with Hillary and Jen. Hello and welcome to the Parents Place Podcast. This is not Hillary, she is out for the day, but yes, this is Jen and I apologize for my voice. It's been a little bit funny the past couple of days, but Hopefully you can forgive me for that. So since Hillary is not here, we do have a guest host and her name is Nicole and I'll let her introduce herself. Yeah, my name is Nicole. I've done one co-hosting episode, so thankfully they brought me back. Um, I do parents as teachers. I'm a family visitor. Um, So I'm excited to be here with Melanie and Jen today. I love co-hosting, so bring it on. All right. Today we have a great guest. This is a story of resilience, and her name is Melanie, and she does work here with us, but we are excited to hear her story of resilience and, and get to know her a little bit better. I'll let her introduce herself and then she can, you can just go right into sharing your story. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. My name is Melanie and I work here at the Family Place. I started as an intern last year and then I got hired to do Kids Empowered. Um, and then now I'm over the kids classes, so I really love being here. So um, jumping right into my story, this story starts several years ago, about 2015, we're going to go back to about 2015, I had four kids. Um, Well, I have four kids. So all of my kids are really close in age. Um, I have what, oh, well, my oldest right now is 14. And then I have a 12 year old and then I have nine year old twin girls. And when my twins were born, my oldest was four. So I had four kids in four years. So it was crazy town. Life was crazy. Um, really, really busy, just purely living in survival mode. So we're just going through life. Um, so 2015, Carter, who is my second, um, he was four years old and he got really sick and he started having really, really high fevers, like 104 fevers that went on for days. And, uh, I took him to the the doctor and they're like, Hey, you're on day this and it should start getting better. Like Mm -hmm. we'll see, you should start seeing improvement in the next few days. So we went home, watched him. It didn't improve. Mm -hmm. So we kept going back and I just started getting really frustrated and feeling really hopeless. Like what's going on? He's not getting better. These fevers are just really, really high. Did he have any other symptoms or was it just fevers? So he did have other symptoms. He was really, really lethargic. He like had his neck was really stiff. Like really? we were worried about meningitis, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so finally, after day seven, I go back into the doctor and I'm like, "This is not okay. We need to yeah. do something else." So they they ran some other tests, and it was determined that what he had was called Kawasaki disease, which is super rare. Not a something I never heard. It sounds made of. up. Yeah. For real. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard of it before, and I was like, okay, but he fit all the criteria of Kawasaki disease. So basically, they have to have like five symptoms of seven or something like that, and he had most of them. Um, so the only way to treat it is to go to a primary children's hospital. So we went down there. They um, followed their protocol for treating him, and he was doing much better. Like the next day, it was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. 
So one of the symptoms of Kawasaki disease is that they have enlarged lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. So um, he had this enlarged lymph node on his neck that just kind of stayed. And it, we watched it every time we go to the doctor, we monitor it, I asked the doctor to check it, and he said it looks fine. Well, after a year, I kind of felt like it was growing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, the doctor told me that he could refer me to an, e an ear, nose, and throat doctor. So I was like, yeah, I think I'd like to go get a second opinion on this. Mm -hmm. So we went down and the doctor looked at him and he's like, well, it's probably just a lymph node, but maybe it's a thyroid. I don't know. Let's do an ultrasound on it. So he does an ultrasound on it and he's like, I still think it's a lymph node. He's like, I don't see the point in doing a biopsy and putting him through that. We just need to get this out. And he told us that he believed it was 99% not cancerous. Mm -hmm. So we felt good about that. We felt good about you know, he knew what he was talking about. We'd done an mm -hmm. ultrasound. So we went ahead with the surgery. Mm -hmm. um, so it was supposed to be an hour-long surgery. And after we were in the waiting room for about an hour and a half, we're like, hey, we hadn't gotten any updates. What's going oh on? So we asked for an update. And uh, so they call the operating room. They're like, yeah, he's doing good. It's just taking a little bit longer, but everything's doing good. Okay. So um, we're waiting, whatever. It ends up taking three and a half hours. That oh he's my in this gosh! Yeah. That must have been so scary. Did they come and do any updates in that three hours besides the one? Not really. Like we asked, and they just would call, and they're like, "Yeah, he's doing good. It's just taking yeah. a little bit more time." Ooh. And so we're like, you know, they, so when we talked to the doctor afterwards, the way he described it is, he said he was working in really expensive real estate, meaning the area that he was working in was like he had to be so careful because it's like. Where? Like right? Just right on the side of his, um, uh, his okay. neck. So when he got in there, they found that it was like squishing his um, jugular. It was oh like my around his carotid artery. It was like wrapped in really, really important nerves. So like <gasps> nerves that like control your breathing, nerves yeah. that control your like arm movement and stuff like that. So that's why it took so long. It was so much more intertwined in, yeah. in that area oh than my gosh. that he had realized. Did you see those signs? Like with his arms and no, no. his breathing and everything? No, because it was all fine. It was just getting it taken out. He wanted to make sure he didn't okay. disturb those nerves. Yeah. So let me ask you another question. How do you get Kawasaki Yeah, I was disease? wondering the same thing. Yeah. It's such a rare and newer disease. I think when he got it, they said that it had only been died, like, like found out 40 years prior. Really? So there's still a lot that they don't know. They don't know what caused it. Mm -hmm. They don't know if it's genetic. They don't. There's a lot of things about it that they don't know. How odd! It's not like Lyme's disease where no. you get bit no, by a from. tick or something. Yeah. So yeah. So we're just kind of constantly being updated on like, huh. new things that are found out about it okay. and stuff. So yeah. Um. So yeah. We don't so really that much about it. this this lymph node mm -hmm. was a result of the Kawasaki. So that's what we, that's what it was believed to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everything tracked with that story, right? Okay. It was a growth. It never went away from the, from the Kawasaki disease. Okay. So, um, he gets it taken out when he, when they were in surgery, they actually do like a cross section freeze of the cells to see like if they can tell what it is. So they did that and the doctor believed that the cells looked normal to him. So they sent us home. He recovered really well. We just mm -hmm. kind of went on with our life. And they said, come back in two weeks. Um, we're going to send this to pathology. Come back in two weeks for his two-week checkup follow-up. And he's five at this point. 
yeah. Okay. Yep. So we go on with our life, like thinking everything's great. We're glad that that's behind us. Um, in that period of time, we actually put our house up for sale, put an offer on a new house. Like, oh my gosh, life was just continuing, yeah. like crazy mm-hmm. life, just with our kids, and it just didn't stop. So, um, about a week and a half after the surgery, I get a call from the doctor's office, and they say, "Hey, we need you to come in tomorrow to have a checkup with the doctor." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, he's got an appointment later on in the week for a checkup. Like, did you not have that down? And she's like, yeah, we have that down, but we need you to come in tomorrow. Oh, no. And it was at that point that I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And so um, the next day, we canceled all plans. We made arrangements. We took uh, my other kids down to my parents' house down Mm -hmm. in Utah County, dropped them off, went up to the doctor's office, and it was horrible walking into that doctor's office like it was like walking into a lion's den like we knew we were going in for trouble they um like whisked us right into a room as soon as we got there like there was no check-in process or anything it was just oh hi you're here come in this room so we go in this room and we aren't waiting for very long and the doctor comes in and he's visibly upset like he just does not look well and he comes out and he says, there's not really any easy way to say this, but um, we ran this through pathology mm-hmm. and we couldn't determine what it was here at Primary Children's. So we actually sent it off for a second opinion at, it was actually Harvard Medical School that it was sent to. And it was determined that this was actually cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was, they called it, so it's, most like Ewing sarcoma, which is typically a bone cancer, but this was in his soft tissue, so mm. which was really rare for his age mm-hmm. um, that he had it. But he's like, you know, he he even told us he knew that he told us ninety nine percent chance this isn't cancer. So we have no idea at what point this became cancer or if it, if yeah. it was a lymph node or what it was, or if he had had cancer the entire time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, we there's a lot it's of crazy. unknown questions that we won't ever know probably so when the doctor came in and told you that what like what went through your mind so it was interesting because we were completely numb like there were not like you would think like maybe flood of emotions Mm -hmm. like there were no emotions it was me my husband and carter was in the room and carter was just sitting there playing with the toys like he could tell that something was up Mm -hmm. but we were just shocked Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor had told us, he said, we already have an appointment made for you at oncology. There's mm-hmm. already been a team that's been set up that has created a plan for him. Like this is all wow. going on during this time when we were just completely oblivious. You're selling your house. Yeah. You're doing all the yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. And they've already created this treatment plan for him wow. and stuff. So he's like, you guys can have a minute here to kind of process. And then you guys need to go up there to go to your appointment. Like, mm-hmm. I need more than a minute. Yeah. So you're, so you're going to be going like right, right. from this office. Mm-hmm. You're going to oncology. We literally oncology. just found out we needed to go. Oh my oncology. gosh. Yeah. Was, were you just spinning? Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, it was numb. I, we were numb. Yeah. Like there were, there's no other way to describe it other than like, I just, you're like going through the motions. Yeah. I was completely in shock. So we were like sitting there, like, I, I'm just in that moment thinking about all these things. How am I going to deal with this? Like, is he going to die? What, what, what is Mm -hmm. my life going to look like from this? And so we leave from there, we go up to the fourth floor to oncology and it wasn't until then that we sat down there that the flood of emotions hit us. Mm-hmm. And we're 
we're sitting there surrounded by people and like one of my most vivid memories of this time was we were sitting there and a dad who was in the waiting room with his kid came over and handed me and my husband a box of tissues and it was like he was telling us like I've been there Mm -hmm. I know what you're going through like and it was at that moment like okay we're not alone other people have gone through this we it you feel like you're alone when that happens um so we go in to meet with the doctor she gives us all the like this is the protocol this is the case for treatment or this is how we're going to treat it if this is how you choose to do it and um we're just sitting there and she's like okay what questions do you have and I'm like I just want to go and she's like okay well do you want to like talk about this in a little bit or something and I'm like no like I just I want to I don't want to do this at all I'm going home yeah like <laughs> I want to go back to yesterday yeah I want to go back to being blissfully unaware yeah that when my life was just great mm-hmm. fun. I mean it was crazy but it was fun um, and she's like, yeah, I understand. Like, I'm sure she's heard that before. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it just, that started the process. Part of the problem with the way that the surgery had happened was the surgeon wasn't able to take appropriate margins because he didn't think it was cancer. Right. Um, and so he still had to go through the process because usually it's either, either chemotherapy and radiation or chemotherapy and surgery or radiation so it's usually you only have to do two but because that happened he had to do chemotherapy surgery and radiation Mm. so it's kind of like we should always do biopsies yeah (laughs) they usually do don't they it's but it's another medical procedure where you had to go under and Mm -hmm. this was trying to prevent that from but yeah i think a lot of times it it, that was probably an error on his part to just he felt confident. Just assume. It tracked with the story of the Kawasaki that it was a lymph node, right? Right. Like nobody expected it to be cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody did. It was it was really, really weird that that's what it ended up being. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he went through, we started nine months of treatment. Um, he had, he would go into the hospital for treatment. So, we would go down for a few days and then he'd have like a week off and then he'd have he'd have to go back for a few days um and like during that chemotherapy that you know sometimes he'd get really really sick yeah one so one type of drug would make him more sick than the other one um there were a lot of other side effects that came along with that so chemotherapy is really hard especially on a little kid yeah um but he did that but then it was amazing too because He's just a five-year-old little kid, too. Right. And he would play, and we would do all, you know, we'd make it as fun as we could while hanging out at the hospital. But it was really hard because we were away from home. Mm -hmm. I had to leave all of my other kids at home. Um, My husband told me that he had counted, and we spent, like, 60 nights away in the hospital during this nine-month period. And I'm like one that's never been away from my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and so we spent a lot of time away, and that was really hard. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, like, how did it affect your other kids and your family? Yeah, it was, it was really difficult. It was, as far as, like, now, the younger ones don't really remember a ton about that. They remember Mm -hmm. going and visiting their brother, Um, but my older daughter, she remembers everything. She remembers a lot of what went on. Um, She knew it was scary. She knew that this was a scary diagnosis. She knew that mom and dad were really worried. Um, Cause she was school age, yep. right? Yep. Like seven. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Yep. So she was in school, which created another yeah, issue that's with hard. germs and oh yeah, you know, had to make sure that he was away from people who were sick and mm-hmm. especially. So we would have a nurse that would come in three times a week that would blo- draw his blood and check his levels and um, if his levels were really low, then we knew that we needed to avoid people and um, if he was really immunocompromised and he came in contact with something we would have to rush to the hospital like if he, if he got oh a fever gosh. of like 99 we'd have to go to the hospital which really? happened several times yeah like he ended up in the hospital 99. for 99 it's like barely that's like yeah what 3.3 that's where i like to be i like to be at a solid a 99 than like the, yeah. what are you supposed to be 97 98.7. Oh, so I don't know. 90, 90, 90, maybe it was 100. I can't remember. But it was barely, like, barely, barely mm-hmm. higher than normal because his body had no way to fight anything off. Right. And so it would send him to the hospital, and he'd be there for a few days while they ran viral panels <sighs> and found out that it was like a sniffle that we would typically Right. Get, but yeah, yeah especially if the kids are in school. Like, mm-hmm. I swear, That's my like kids are ground. sick from, like, September yeah. till May. Yeah, it's a breeding ground for germs. Yeah. So yeah. we had to be super, super careful. And this was all pre-COVID, but we, we knew the drill when, yeah, when COVID, when COVID hit. hit. Yeah. So with his age, should he have been in kindergarten? So he was in kindergarten. He was. Mm-hmm. He was going. Yep. So he missed a lot. I'm trying to remember. It was like 120 days of school between oh. kindergarten and first grade. Yeah. Like, so he did miss a lot of school. Um. We did have like some people that came in and helped tutor him a little bit, but mm. yeah, there was a lot of, of school that he missed because of it because he couldn't be around kids. Yeah. And, um, but yeah. But he didn't have to be held back or anything. Mm-mm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Thankfully, it was kindergarten. Yeah. Which I guess kindergarten's optional, right? Yeah. Isn't here, it? Here in Utah, I believe it is. I yeah. think it is. Yeah. So, and his teacher was amazing and would send stuff, and we. We did what we could, and there yeah. was, anyway, there's, like, programs at primary children's where they would help them read and stuff like that, so. Oh, that's good. He, he didn't fall back too much because of it, but, mm-hmm. yeah, he definitely missed a lot of school because of it. That's yeah. so hard. Yeah. So, once the chemo's done, you said he had another treatment, which was the radiation. Uh-huh. So, that was um, concurrent with the, oh. so he would do that at the same time. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. So radiation he had to do for 30 sessions, which was over six weeks. So he would go five days a week for six weeks. Oh my weeks. gosh. Um, and the thing is with radiation is because he was so tiny, so they have to sit so still in mm. the machine. And they're like, there's no way a five-year-old is going to be able to right. sit still for this long and not move an inch. Right. Or, and at all. And so they're like, typically we sedate them when they go yeah. in. Well, the problem with that is he was so tiny that if he, they told us if he were to lose 10% of his weight, that he'd have to get it beaten to. So Ugh. he was 40 pounds, so if he lost four pounds, well, if you're getting sedated every day for six weeks, mm-hmm. you're going to lose four pounds. You're going to lose weight. You're not yeah. going to want to eat. You're going to be groggy, you know. And so mm-hmm. we were just so worried about that. So we did everything we could. We bribed him. He was like super obsessed with little beanie babies and yep. kind of stuff. So we bribed him with whatever we could. The people at the Huntsman were amazing with him because okay. they don't typically work with little kids. Like yeah. it was rare for them to get little kids in mm-hmm. there. So um, they were phenomenal, and 
he was able to do it without sedation every time really he was able to create a music playlist they're like do you want to listen to music when you're in there and he listened to barracuda and eye of the tiger stop that is so cute (laughs) the entire time every time adorable so so cute we are super blessed to have huntsman yeah cancer i had a cousin that had leukemia okay and was in the hospital at the same time as John Huntsman. Oh, okay. So they became really good friends. Yeah. It's, and, yeah. yeah. We, Great. we have amazing hospitals here in Utah. Yeah. It's, yeah. We feel really fortunate for that. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Do those songs trigger you now? No, because no. I didn't listen to them. Okay. He was Do they, kind of... do they trigger him? Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It was a positive thing for good. him. Good. Yeah. Good. No, I he, bet it made him feel strong and empowered. Yeah, yeah it was just on repeat. But yeah, I never really thought about yeah. whether it does or not. But no, he still likes them. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was. And every time those songs would come on, he'd be jamming to them. <laughs> music. He loved them. Jam, but not too hard. Yeah, Don't we move. Can't, we can't move. <laughs> yep. He's so cute. But yeah. So um, kind of backtrack. I forgot to say this. So when he was diagnosed. Um, we kind of had this two week period of time before we knew his prognosis. Mm-hmm. Like they had told us if it hadn't spread, he had an 80% chance of this rec- of recovering and doing really well. Okay. If it had spread, it jumped clear down to 30%. Oh my yeah. gosh, Melanie. And to where it was probably oh. growing for a year. Yeah. We don't, we have no idea. Yeah. You would think that it would have spread. Yeah. No idea. So we actually had to wait two weeks from when we found out his diagnosis, whether or not it had spread. Oh, And no. those were by far the darkest two weeks of yeah. my entire life. Like I have never experienced darkness like that. And it was every worst case scenario flashing mm-hmm. through your head. Um, so the reason why we had to wait is because they had to do a PET scan, which comes in a huge trailer right. that moves from hospital to hospital. Yeah. So it was the next appointment that we get was two weeks out. So during this two weeks, I'm like scheduling family pictures, thinking this is the last time we're going to be getting family pictures taken. And just like going through every worst case scenario. I'm going to cry. Oh no. Just the thought of like having to go through all that. It was awful. And, um, but it was amazing how like the things that I was worried about during that time, Mm -hmm. like, I never actually had to worry about like people right. came through and solved those problems for me. Like the things I was worried about with my kids, like childcare and stuff, mm-hmm. family came in and found us babysitters mm-hmm. and paid for babysitters. Oh and gosh. it wasn't like we had meals and stuff, but it was like just the simple things that you don't even think about. Like yeah. one of the most meaningful gifts that I received was a huge bag of paper plates. And Amen. It was, it was like, <laughs> You have permission to not have to do dishes. Yeah. And I was like, I like it hadn't even dawned on me. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I yeah. just need anyway. Because, like, amazing. when you're in the depths of yeah. despair, the last thing you want to do is laundry yeah. or dishes yeah. or even like showering. But you probably don't even think, oh, I'll get some paper plates. No, no. Or I'll get plastic silverware. I'll yeah. get right. Because yeah. that's going to the store, another yeah. mundane thing that you don't want to do. Yeah. And so it was just amazing how, like, so backtrack or go back a little bit. So he did have the PET scan and mm-hmm. it had not spread, thankfully. Oh. Yeah. So, um, his prognosis was good. So, but 
all of those worries that we experienced in those two weeks, like, mm-hmm. it was amazing how we just didn't have to worry about those. Like, financially, the mm-hmm. things, like, that people came through and did for us. Like, my husband's previous employer that he hadn't even been working for anymore did a little fundraiser for him. Really? You know? Like, just little things that were not hard for people to do, but yeah. meant the world to us. Like, yeah. dropping off things for him to do while he was immunocompromised or whatever just mm. little things like that that Strange. got us through it so much it's those times where you really find out who really cares about you yeah yeah and who comes you know. and how much how much people just want to help, help. Mm-hmm. during that time yeah having that support system and and it it really just brings to mind like we can just do these things for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to be going through cancer yeah. to really help some another person, you know? Yeah. And little things yeah. make a big difference. Like, mm-hmm. I will never forget the lady that brought me those paper plates. She probably completely forgot about it. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't big to her at yeah. all. Yeah. But, so, I'll pay you. Yeah. What, like seven so, bucks for yeah. a big old bag? Yeah. So, person who brought the paper plates... <laughs> There you go. There's yeah. your there's a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it also shows accepting help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a great acceptor of help. No. And that was really difficult because I wasn't either. I mean, I was a mom of four little kids and I mm-hmm. my husband worked a ton of hours and I just did it. Like mm-hmm. I yep. had my systems down and it was really hard to accept help, but we realized really quick that we weren't gonna be able to do this by yeah. ourselves. Um there were certain things where I couldn't accept help, like having people stay with him at the hospital just because, like, uh, it was interesting because there were times where, like, mother's intuition was so strong that my husband wouldn't even stay with him. Like, he didn't trust himself that he would pick right. up on things. Like, there were just so many times where things would happen that I'd be like, I don't feel right about this, or we would catch something. There was one time where his pick line, which is, like, straight to his heart. Right had come undone, and I just had a feeling. Oh I was like, I'm just going to go check that. Like, I had no other reason to go check it other than I just had a feeling, and it was, like, bleeding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it was, like, enough little things like that where my husband's like, no, I, yeah. you've got to be there yeah. with him at these overnight stays. Like, there was times where, like, the chemo didn't get hooked up all the way, and so, like, oh. anyway, it was things that, you know, it would have got caught eventually, but... I was able to catch it right away because right. I was so in tune with what was going yeah. on with him and what he was feeling and stuff. So, yeah, that was interesting. Did that me. have an effect on you? I did not realize what it, an effect it had on me until mm-hmm. afterwards. But, yeah, I I really put on a strong face mm-hmm. during it. Um, I know a lot more now about letting myself feel emotions yeah. than I did then. Um but I held a lot of it in during that time because um, I didn't feel like I could express right. those feelings. Um, but yeah, it definitely is draining to be a caretaker of anyone mm-hmm. in any situation. I, taking care of my sister when she had her gallbladder, yeah. I <laughs> had that thought of it's so hard to be a caretaker mm-hmm. and people are, and no no negativity towards people who go to the person who needs the care. Yeah. And that's who they pay attention to. Yeah. 
and then here's you as a little yeah. caregiver yeah. left out here by yourself. Yeah. So I feel like that's one thing that we really need to yeah. to work on is recognize the caregiver because they, I mean, and my sister was just a gallbladder, yeah. but it was a bad gallbladder situation. And so it was exhausting right. and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting physically and emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, check on those caregivers because mm-hmm. they're probably not yeah. okay. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I'm just thinking like you were probably just in, you know, cruise control. Mm-hmm. And just going, and then when you stop, you said you didn't realize. Because mm-hmm. then when we stop after going through cruise control, yeah. it was like mm-hmm. you just let everything go, and now you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, my body was in so much stress. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a lot of work that had to be done after that on myself to kind of understand. Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's trauma on everyone in, mm-hmm. in the family at that time. Those are, that's big T trauma, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I stubbed my toe and I'm like, that's it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it is. It's not just the person that's sick, you know. Mm-hmm. It's everybody is affected in the family. It completely changes the dynamic of your family. And you have to have a parent gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, if anything, which I'm assuming that there was some things, but what did you guys do after? I mean, I don't know. Sorry. Maybe you're not done with your story. Oh, but um, what are some things that you guys used for coping, like during and after? So I think one of the biggest things was accepting that help. Mm-hmm. Um, allowing other people to help us through that stuff because we just couldn't do it ourselves. So mm-hmm. um, letting other people help us was huge. Mm-hmm. You can't take it all on. And there would have been a lot more if we had. Um, I don't know. There was there was a lot of growth as a family um, that happened during that time that we had to realize like how to rely on each other um, you know, the relationship between me and my husband and how we were going to, how that dynamic was going to be, how we were going to handle this big situation and, and how our roles were kind of changing a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, so yeah, as far as coping, I don't know, we kind of were just living life and going, going through the motions. It was Mm -hmm. after the fact that I think a lot of it, um, the coping kind of came in, into play. Um, after the fact, we were able, so he was able to do a Make-A-Wish trip. Nice. I was going to ask if you got to do one. Yep. So he got to go, he chose, so he loves animals. Uh Uh-huh. And he, he was into all sorts of different animals, but at the time he was super into manatees. And so, so he wanted to go to Florida to see manatees. He wanted to swim with manatees, but that wasn't really, we couldn't really swing that one. But he yeah. also wanted to go to Animal Kingdom. So we got to go down to Florida and stay at a place called Give Kids the World. And it is oh. the coolest place in the world. It's amazing. And got to go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. And so that time is kind of meant for healing. Yeah. For your family. Yeah. It's just a time where you can just go and forget the rest of your mm-hmm. responsibilities. Set it aside. And it was amazing. Like, like I get chills just thinking about I it. I have. Yeah. I don't know where the camera is, but chills. Anyone who's been there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it is a 
another experience that mm-hmm. is not of this world. Like it is amazing. Do you? I, I'm gonna ask it. Yeah. Do you get to skip lines? Yes. Oh skip. hallelujah! Good. Yep. You yep. have to. There were some perks that came with going <laughs> being a wish kid. Um, one of the coolest perks, which I don't really talk about a ton, but they actually have a special room at Disney World called the Genie Room. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically set aside. You have this room all to yourself for as long as you need it for. And like that was one of my most memorable experiences about that. that because we seriously just got to go sit in this crazy theme park. In this almost like sacred space in oh Disney World. It was amazing. Just like to be together as a family. Yeah. Have a respite from a crazy day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was, was there a genie granting your wishes while you were in there? I hope. Really? I mean. I, I mean, mean not like, a real genie. But, lines, but yeah. We, yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was such. It was definitely a once in a lifetime experience. Oh my gosh. Amazing. That's cool. That's cool that they do that yeah. too. Because mm-hmm. I know most kids. That's what they. Yep. They yeah. choose. Right? That's. Why? Because it's that, so yeah. cousin did Disneyland and Disney World. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's because she was friends with John Huntsman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just gave him their private plane. And oh, said, oh, oh, my gosh. Well, we didn't get that. But John Huntsman, <laughs> if you're hearing this, we all want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> past. Oh. John Huntsman, <laughs> he still might hear it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. But make a wish. That, that, a great foundation. Yeah. 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 Definitely, I mean, it is healing for a family mm-hmm. to get to go do that after afterwards yeah. after a year I mean well it was nine months but basically a year of just constant stress yeah and just to let it all go and everything's planned for you you don't yeah. have to worry about meals or anything it was, oh, it was really nice. really great and I'm sure those manatees just <laughs> understood the stress too there's they're just so cool I yeah. love those I'm and with your son so calming. they they're are so, so calming yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. He didn't get to swim with them, but maybe someday. There you go. <laughs> um, did you guys, were you able to do therapy or like, was there anything like that or? So while he was in the hospital, so Primary Children's has amazing programs and they were, they came in while he was in treatment and they would do like art therapy, they oh, would cool. do music therapy, oh animal gosh. therapy, like all sorts of things. Oh, cool. It's really, really great. The things that they have there. Um, we didn't go through therapy mm-hmm. during the time that we were going through that. Personally, we, we all have since. Yeah. Um, just kind of to deal with that and understand that mm-hmm. what we were going through actually was a trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, cause when you're going through it, it's just life, right? Like, yeah. You're just getting through it. Yeah. And yeah. you're just experiencing it day by day as it goes. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, that mm-hmm. was really hard. But, yeah. you know, even, and people would say like, oh, you're so strong and stuff going through it. But it's like, you don't have a choice when it's yeah. your child. Right. You're going through that. It, you just do it. You have to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. There is no other choice. But like Jen said, like when you stop, yep. that's when it hits. Yep. That's when I started therapy too, was COVID. I, yeah. like, I sat down and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. The emotions. Yeah. You start dealing with them. Yeah. Kind of More than myself. Up. Yeah. yeah. And I what a scary thing. place to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. So with all of, all of those therapies, like the art therapy and everything, mm-hmm. so my mind goes to like cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. And I would hope that, are you charged for all of those things throughout that process? I don't think so. I think it's just part of treatment that 
that's there. Honestly, I, I don't She know. didn't look at the bills. <laughs> no, that would be too that's scary. Oh boy. That but that's what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like, I and hope that fundraiser was okay, a lot. Ten dollar box of tissue. Yeah. No. Oh, my toes are cold, so yeah. here's a fifty dollar pair I of socks. I can't imagine. Yeah. I would Wait. expect especially primary children's where they get so yeah. much help from outside sources, but yeah. that's true. It's I'm not kids. sure. Yeah. Um, fortunately for us, we were very blessed to have good insurance during that time. Oh, so like we thankfully aren't still dealing with medical bills. That's but nice. um yeah, I know that that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm not exactly sure on that one. Mm. I was just trying to think primary children's is a non profit. And if they are, I'm sure they write off a lot of stuff for people. That's true. That are going through hard things. They are, aren't they? I don't think sure. they are. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm making that up. Probably not. If I to our that. listeners, I'm usually wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how are your girls now after all? Of, well, how are all your how kids? Are, how is yeah. everyone? Yeah. So, yeah, we're doing so good. So my oldest is in high school now. Carter is in middle school he just started middle school and then the twins are in fourth grade and everybody's doing really great like I feel like we're thriving um it's you know we've we've moved past the craziness of having to take care of all the needs of little children all the time Mm -hmm. and they can start doing things on their own but yeah we're we're doing really well and I think that you know like I talk about a lot that I would never wish this experience on anyone, Mm. but the things that like the way that our family grew during that time, like I wouldn't take that away for anything. Mm. Like the way that I grew personally during that time, like I wouldn't be where I am today without having those experiences. Like it changed me as a person for the better. Mm. Like it showed me that like there was a higher calling for me that Mm -hmm. this is what led me to go back to school. This is what led me to, be doing what I'm doing now, working with people who have experienced other traumas. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like with a lot of these experiences that people have, like in the stories of resilience, like to kind of understand like, why did this happen to me? It helps me to think like, if I can help somebody else going through this, like it was, it was worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, our family's doing really great and it's, you know, we grew as a family during that time, which I know doesn't always happen for, for every family either. Cause it That's is what I was so going to say. Like, I've, I've known families that break up because yep. of it. Yep. It yeah. is very, very hard. But yeah. thankfully, we had a really great support network that was there mm-hmm. to help us and, and got us through. What about reflecting back with Carter? Mm-hmm. Like, what are his reflections from the time? Yeah. Like. So thankfully he was really young. Um, he doesn't like talking about the hospital. Mm-hmm. He tells me now that like it makes his tummy feel weird when he talks mm-hmm. about it. And I think that's just his way of expressing the, the trauma yeah. that he's had. But he's so resilient too. Like mm-hmm. he's just tough. Like he comes back from things. He knows that he did a hard thing. Like he mm-hmm. knows the stuff he went through. He overcame it. Like we yeah. love every time like he was filling out some papers for school, like cool things about me and every time we write I kicked cancer's butt <laughs> like every well time. yeah this is this is a huge accomplishment did he get a medal I feel like he should have a medal oh he had awards and stuff and then they got to like ring the bell and stuff Cute. So that's fun he's got the badge of being able to say that you know yeah. he did that he fought that so yeah 
what what has follow-up care been like yeah so we're always at like so right after we had lots of scans like Mm -hmm. um it was every like three months then six months or whatever like that so now he's actually five years out so really his type of cancer they say after five years of no return of disease that he's not at any more risk of having it returned than anyone Wow. So he's, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, there's always a risk of secondary cancers that mm-hmm. come with the radiation and the chemotherapy that he has. So we really? always do checkups and stuff like that. Yeah. So like with radiation, there's like skin cancer type things. Oh, okay. Where it was on his neck. Like we did things mm-hmm. to prevent damage to his thyroid, mm-hmm. but that's always a huge risk. Um, the biggest side effect that we're dealing with right now is his teeth. Because really? it like... Um, radiation was done on his jawline that roots haven't grown in so we're kind of dealing with like oral surgery right now having to have some teeth worked on but um that's like the worst side effect that we're dealing with so I will take that over anything else there's so many other things that could happen but yeah other than that he's just living his life like oh my gosh no no other side effects I mean yeah we'll just always watch closely Mm -hmm. to things but he just in fact yesterday had a well child check and he's doing great He's oh. doing fantastic, just like any other 12-year-old. Phew. Awesome. Yeah, thankfully. I didn't know any of this about your family, yeah, Melanie. really? No. I know. It's funny because it was, like, so prevalent in my life when mm-hmm. it was going on, but it's, like, almost like a different lifetime ago that, that all this happened. But Yeah. You guys are all something. different people now. For sure. It changes you. Yeah. Right? When people say you can do hard things, you're like, I know, and I did it, so... <laughs> I've got to pass for the rest of my life. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be nice. I think that's how it works. <laughs> That'd be really nice. Yeah. Let's not do any more hard things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's nice to know that you can do hard things, though. But we also need to remember that we don't know everyone's story. Yeah. No. And so, you know, you got to give people grace when you mm-hmm. don't know what's going behind their closed doors. For mm-hmm. sure. Like, I talk to you almost every day. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. 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 People who want to share and those who don't. Well, and it's not that it's a secret. It's just kind of like ingrained in the fabric of my life. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not so much at the forefront, but it's Mm -hmm. just kind of part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. But I love that. Like we just don't know. Nope. And we need to be kind and Mm -hmm. give people, give people some grace. Yeah. We never know. There's everybody's got a story. It's true. I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. That's always a hard, mm-hmm. hard thing to do, but we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you coming today and listening, and we hope to have you back this next week, and we will see you then. Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at parents at the familyplaceutah.org or you can reach Jen on Facebook, Jen Daly The Family Place. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.